Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, Bill left me confused last week. I mean, I, I know theology and all of that, but uh, explain something. So a honeybee is wearing a yarmulke, so they don't think he's a wasp? Maybe we go to the Bible here now. <laughs> I'm falling apart. That was a dumb joke last week, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, everyone liked it? Okay, all right, okay. Our text this morning comes from the first chapter of Luke, where Mary is visited by Gabriel the angel. Gabriel has just visited Zechariah, or at some time earlier, visited Zechariah, who was the, the father of John the Baptist. And he and his wife were really beyond childbearing years, but promise came to him, and, and here she becomes pregnant. It's a little stunning. And, um, you know, I, uh, I've often wondered why you all don't have more kids. I mean, like having more kids. <laughs> I spoke to Ken this morning and asked that, you know, that he and Corrine, you know, heck. <laughs> and, and at the baptism, he was showing how he'd be coming up with a walker. <laughs> but it was one of those things where there was no expectation whatsoever that a, another child would be born. And here she is, she becomes, Elizabeth becomes pregnant in her advanced years. She, was, she is at the end of her years of capability, and Mary is just at the very beginning, as Bill told us last week. She was probably 14, 15 years old. The marital system was that when a woman, when a girl became a woman, when she began to have her period, then she would be betrothed within that period of time, soon thereafter. And so Mary is very young. And she's betrothed to Joseph. An arrangement has been made in that betrothal period, they are not to be at all together alone. And after one year, then there would be the marriage ceremony. But in the midst of that time, Mary is visited by Gabriel. Here's the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel went from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. 
He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of the kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I am a virgin, I have no husband. And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is to be called barren. For, the, for, the God, for with God nothing will be impossible. And, with Mary, and Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. I can hardly imagine what this was for her, what kind of experience this was. To be visited and to be spoken to so tenderly, but then to be given this news that she was going to conceive and bear a child. And in and of itself, it would not be an unusual statement. She could have thought originally, well, of course, I'm going to be married, and, you know, in time I'll conceive and have a child, and, and all that is good, and I'm looking forward to all of that. But there was something about the way the angel spoke to her that she was thrown into confusion. And so she said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. I've never known a man. I will, but not now. And the angel said, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Spirit of God will, will embrace you, will overwhelm you, will overpower you, and you'll be with child. Those words were spoken. She was told about her cousin Elizabeth. Angel's gone. Over the next several days, I can imagine she was waiting for something to happen. What's going to happen? And for all intents and purposes, we don't know anything else happened. This is an account that comes to us by Mary herself. Nothing occurs. And she wonders. And then she misses a month. What's happening? What is this? What's going on? And the changes in her body begin to occur that she experiences and that she knows of. And here she is in a small town. Everyone knows that she and Joseph are betrothed. And they know how babies get into the world. This is not some sort of pre-scientific age of naivete. naivete. They're not dumb, these people. 
She's scared. She doesn't know what to think. But the organ of conception was not the ordinary. The organ of conception was her ear. She heard the word of God. And upon hearing the word, Christ was conceived within her. So later the Apostle Paul will say, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word. And so what we see in Mary foreshadows that which would happen throughout all the rest of history until Christ comes, and that is that the birth of Christ in human life will happen through the preaching of the word and the receiving of the word. And that conception will be in the hearts of men and women. But until then, she's just a girl. She's terrified. And just a word on this. I don't know why people have trouble with the virginal conception of Jesus. I don't know why this is problematic. C.S. Lewis made this comment. He said, once God's life-giving figure touched a woman without passing through the ages, through the ages of interlocking events, once the great glove of nature was taken off his hand, he touched her. That time he was creating not simply a man, but the man who was to be himself. God was creating man anew, was beginning the new creation of all things. History is the series of once occurring events. This is a once occurring event, of course, and it cannot be replicated. It is a once occurring event. And it is an essential tenet of our Reformed faith. We make the declaration, even in the, Apostle, in the Apostles' Creed, born of the Virgin Mary. And it does nothing to enhance faith to argue about this. We need not claim, confuse theology with gynecology. That's a, uh, that's a silly exercise that goes on and on and on in the church, even to this day. But why not simply allow Christmas to contain all of its wonder, all of its mystery? If we understood it, there'd be... So what? The fact that we can't understand it draws us toward it and allows us to have a deep sense of of the the great wonder of this time, of God taking on human flesh. And so Mary has this experience. She feels the changes in her body. She doesn't know what to do. And so she gets to a point, perhaps of desperation, and she runs. She goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, or aunt but she is, she's terrified in this new place in life and knowing what the community might think, knowing what this might mean for her and her betrothed Joseph. And somewhere in the midst of this, Joseph had his experience and, and all of this is so confusing to both of them. 
I've been uh, told about a phrase in AA that, uh, that every time God closes a door, he opens another, but it's hell in the hallway. <laughs> Mary is in the hallway. The next door hasn't opened. She's in that place in between, and she goes to Elizabeth, her someone she can talk to, someone she can be with, somebody who can maybe understand. Mary didn't do anything wrong, but nobody believes she didn't do something wrong. There will be speculation about her for the rest of her life and about Joseph as well. Some of those hints show up later in the New Testament. She thought she was doing the right thing. She thought she was making the the most obvious and good choice by entering into a betrothal with Joseph and doing things the way everyone would, would expect. She was looking forward to life like everyone else in the village, and, and all, all of that was intended, but all of that was upset. And we can make all of the best decisions we know and still foul up. And then on occasion, we can make a decision to not do the most obvious and good choice and do something else entirely. Sonia made one such decision. She was recruited to go on to the faculty at Columbia University. Columbia. When she was at Harvard, she was like one of the very few women there. So she was one of the early ones coming out of Harvard University and then recruited to be on the faculty at Columbia. And they had family and background and in New York, and so it was the obvious and good choice. But there was somebody in the language department that she could not stomach. (laughs) I don't know how anyone could be on the wrong side of this dear woman, but somehow this woman got on the wrong side of Sonia. And because that woman was there, she decided instead to take a position at a university in in, in Nova Scotia. Rather than making the obvious and good choice, she made a choice that made no sense. Except that after years of wonderful life in Nova Scotia, building a huge yogurt business and and um, experiencing the raising of children in that magnificent, beautiful setting, small town, and people loving and caring for one another. She looks back and realizes that she did not make the obvious and good choice. She made another choice that turned out perhaps even better. Because there is a, a divine necessity about our lives. When we make our choices, when we think we are in control and we're making all the calls, sometimes we can preempt the goodness of God's will for us. Sometimes when things happen that are way out of our control, 
God is implementing something that constitutes his divine necessity. Mary had to go through what she went through. She had to be matured by the process. She had to go through the hardship and difficulty of fearing and relying upon God. She had to be away from her home and from her beloved. She had to go through what she went through. Because the the divine necessity for Mary was that she would be the mother of God. That video that we started with has a profound set of lyrics. It's by Amy Grant. I am frightened by the load I bear in a world as cold as stone. Must I walk this path alone? Be with me now. Be with me. Breath of heaven, hold me together. Be forever near me. Breath of heaven, breath of heaven, lighten my darkness, pour over me your holiness. For you are holy. We do the best we can. We make our choices, we think that they are the obvious and good choices. And things can still go terribly awry. But if we look to our God who is our our breath. There's not a breath that we breathe that isn't from our God. As we are inhaling the breath of heaven with our lives, he is with us, he's near us, and he's carrying out his divine intention for each of us. And this is not to be trivialized as we go through hard times or lose loved, one, lose loved ones, it's not to be trivialized by a quick placebo of, oh, this will pass. It'll get better. He's in a better place. Everything's going to be okay. And we go through it. We go through the hardship. We, we feel the pain. We don't deny it. We don't anesthetize it. Stay away from the bottle. We go through it. Feel it. And trust our God. And for Mary, as she watched her son die, still she wept. Still she didn't understand. Still she didn't know. Still she cried out, be forever near me. Breath of heaven. That's life. You bow with me in prayer. Oh Lord, her faithfulness, 
as a young girl, her faithfulness as a grown mother, her faithfulness as a part of your early church. Oh, Lord, it is your breath that gives us life. Breathe on us, breath of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.